0: Welcome to The Gregory Diggow Podcast. I'm believing today for your breakthrough, really, for a supernatural breakthrough in your life. And I've been talking a little bit about revival. We've been talking about generation revival, and I really want you to experience what the Bible says is a revival in your life. The definition of this word from scripture is a recovery of breath. It's a recovery of your breath. It's time to catch our breath. It's time to breathe the sigh of relief. It's time to get on the other side of discouragement. This word revival means refreshing. It's a blowing of fresh air, causing someone to recover uh, their state of joy and cheer and encouragement after a time of anxiety and trouble. I want to read that to you again, and I want you to hear this is this word that God is doing in our lives right now, this word on the other side of all of that we've been through over the last two or three years, this word of freshness, this word of fresh air, this word of catching your breath, this word of encouragement after a time of anxiety and trouble. Think about that. God is saying that he is going to cause you to recover your state of cheer, your state of joy. It means it's not just a moment of joy. It's not just a moment of cheer. It is a mindset. It's a state of thinking. It's a state of being. We're literally in this this space of cheer, for a season of our lives. The next season of your life is going to be a a season of cheer, a state of mind where you have joy and cheerfulness and really happiness is what God is giving us a refreshment of the joy and the cheer. And where does all that come from? I believe it comes from a closer understanding or a deeper understanding of the love of God. And I want to share this word with you from acts chapter three, verse 19. And it's from the WNT version. And it starts with the word repent, which is such a misunderstood word in most of uh, most Christian circles. Repent seems like it's our effort to turn away from um, the wrong things and turn to do the good things or to do the right things. And in a sense, that's true as long as we properly identify what the wrong things are that we're repenting of, because it really is not so much a repentance of all of our bad behavior, but a repentance of wrong thinking as to how we relate to God and how he relates to us. So let me show it to you in Acts chapter three, verse 19. Repent, therefore, and reform your lives so the record of your sins may be canceled and that there may be there may come seasons of revival from the Lord. Seasons of revival from the Lord. Who's ready for a season of revival from the Lord? And what is that? A, re- a revival of encouragement and. Uh, restoration from a time of exhaustion, anxiety and trouble. It's a recovery of your breath, catching your breath, a blowing of fresh air that's happening in your life today. I prophesy that over you right now. And he says this word repent actually is translated as to change your mind. "Metaneia" is the word in Greek. It means to change your mind, to think differently, which results in reformation. The result of thinking differently results in living differently. But who he was talking to when Peter said this to repent that seasons of revival would come to you is look at what he says in verse 15. You killed the author of life. So he's talking to the the Israelites that crucified Jesus. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus name and faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. So this is the man that was lame at the beautiful gate. And Peter and John healed him in the name of Jesus. He was completely healed. And that's when Peter goes into this speech to them about how they killed the author of life. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. You killed Jesus, but God raised him from the dead. And that's when he says, "Um, now I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. But this is how God fulfilled what he foretold through the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer now repent and turn to God. So what he's saying is you crucified Jesus, And but you did it in ignorance. So repent and turn to God. In other words, turn from what you believed about Jesus. You believed he was somebody that you needed to get rid of. But he's really somebody that you need to receive into your life so that you would have times of refreshing and revival would come to you. Notice what he is telling them to repent of repent of what you believed about Jesus. You in ignorance believed he was a fraud. You in ignorance believed he was a fake and you crucified him. Repent from that and accept him. Repent from that and turn to God by accepting Jesus into your life. Your sins will be wiped out when you when you accept him, when you receive him and seasons of revival would come. Wow. And then he says and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. So this whole thing is turning from wanting to get rid of Jesus to turning to receiving him whom heaven must receive until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised through his prophets. Well, there's a lot here in this passage of scripture, but I don't want us to get hung up on, on so much of the theology of this passage. But I really want us to get the revelation about what God is telling us he's going to do in our lives by bringing us seasons of revival. First of all, seasons of revival come from turning from a wrong view of Jesus, believing that Jesus was not real, believing that Jesus wasn't everything he said he was Turn from that, he said. And notice what he's asking us to repent of. What is God telling us more specifically to repent of? And I think a scripture in Revelation chapter two sheds some light on this in Revelation chapter two. He says this, Jesus says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken your first love. You have fallen away from your first love or from the love you had at first when God saved you. When God saved me, there was a love that came into my life and then religion came and messed up the love and all the rules came and all the condemnation came and all of the self righteousness came. The other people that would try to try to make me be a, a, a perfect Christian or a holier Christian. At first it was a love relationship. Then it became a rule based relationship. And that's what he's saying to repent of. He's saying you've fallen away from your first love. You've fallen away from What got you here? What is it that brought us to Jesus? It was his love. It was his loving kindness that drew us to him. It was his goodness that led to repentance. It was his kindness and his love that brought us to him in the first place. And he's saying, go back to that. Consider from what you have fallen or how far you have fallen, he says in verse five. I love what this passage says in the message Bible. In fact, let's go back to starting verse two of this passage of scripture. He says, I see what you've done, your hard work, your you refusal to quit. Man, we've all been through those moments where we are working hard for God. We, we refuse to give up. He said, I know you can't stomach evil that you weed out pretenders, apostolic pretenders, fakes. He says, I know your persistence, your courage in my cause that you never wear out, but you've walked away from your first love. He's like so many people get focused on their hard work for God, that they're that they are against evil, that they're for persistence and they're courageous in his cause. And all those things are good when love is at the center of it, when the love of God is the root, when the love of God is the foundation from which we're living. He said, but you walked away from your first love. Why? What's going on with you anyway? The scripture says, Jesus said, why what's going on with you anyway? Do you have any idea how far you've fallen? A Lucifer fall, which is what was pretty strong words. Turn back, recover your dear early love. No time to waste, for I'm well on my way to removing your light from the golden circle. The light is removed from our lives when we turn away from love, when we turn away from God's love, when we focus on how strong we are, how persistent we are. There is a place for strength and persistence and courage and all of those things. But he's saying the believers got so focused on the things they were supposed to do for God, that they had left the thing that had created their rest and their relationship and their intimacy with God. It was his love for them. And in Malachi, chapter one, verse two, he says, I've never stopped loving you and I never will. One translation says I have always loved you. I've never stopped loving you and never will. I've always loved you. You see, so often we we trade this loving relationship of I'm loved, I'm forgiven, I'm redeemed. I'm the righteousness of God. I'm his son or his daughter. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I'm loved by him and we're walking with God in this love relationship. And somehow we get we get caught up in something else. We get caught up in trying to do so much for God. And I believe love is the reason why we started wanting to do so much for God. But then we get focused on the doing rather than being. And, you know, we're not called human doings, we're called human beings for a reason, because we're supposed to be in this love relationship with God. So I really believe what revival truly is. It's a revival of intimacy with God. It's a revival of this love relationship with God. He said there's no time to waste. He says, I've always loved you. He says, you've been Great. You've refused to quit. You have refused to give up. And I know some watching right now, connecting right now. Maybe you do feel like giving up. Maybe you do feel like quitting. And that's, I believe, the reason we get to those points where we feel burned out, where we feel like quitting, where we feel like giving up is because we're focused on what we have to do for God rather than focused on what he's done for us and the love that he wants us to walk in the love relationship with him, this intimate relationship with him. And let me tell you what happens. Some of the signs along the way when you're focused on love, when you're focused on God's love for you, it brings a revival of intimacy. You see. If you if I told you you really need to spend time with God, you Add that to your list of the dues of Christianity. You really got to spend more time with God. You really need to talk to God more. You really need to listen to God. more. See, that's to me what puts people in bondage. But if I say to you, Oh, he loves you so much. He's thinking about you right now. He's smiling at you right now. He's proud of you. He's excited about his relationship with you. God has got secrets that he wants to tell you. He sees you as the apple of his eye. He sees you as his favorite child. He sees you as his precious son or daughter, his beloved son or daughter. Now what happens is you start to actually be drawn to him and you end up wanting you it becomes your idea to want to spend time with God. It's not something somebody's telling you to do. It becomes your idea because you're motivated by love. You're motivated by the love God has for you and you're so in awe that he would love you in your worst hour, he would love you in your darkest hour. He would love you in your most rebellious hour. He would love you in your most fallen condition. He loved us while we were sinners. He loved us while we were his enemies, the Bible says. See, this is the revival that I believe God's bringing us into. Seasons of revival come from a revival of his love or a, rev- a revival and a catching our breath because he loves us, catching our breath and feeling refreshed because the waves of his love keep crashing against our life. And I'm telling you, there is nothing greater than intimacy with God. There's nothing more valuable. There's nothing that is more healthy. There is nothing more rewarding. There's but we don't want to spend time with God out of a ritual and a rule. We want to spend time with God because we remember how much he loves us. He said, remember from where you have fallen in act in Revelation chapter two there, he says, remember from where you have fallen, he said, consider how far you've fallen. You're doing all the things, but you've fallen from the person You're doing all the things for the person, but you're not enjoying the person and the person is Jesus. And he wants to enjoy you and he wants you to enjoy him. And what gets in the way is our our the demand we place upon ourselves to be and do everything we know to do. If you try to do everything in the Bible, you'll quit really fast because you'll realize there's no way you can do it all, at least not at one time. So if we focus on relationship, 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 intimacy with God, a revival of intimacy with our savior, this is what he's calling us to. This is what we're turning to. We're turning back to closeness when Mary and Martha invited Jesus to their house in Luke, Chapter 10. And Martha was so worried and concerned and bothered by all the things that they had to do to prepare. And what was Mary doing, sitting at the feet of Jesus? And when Martha started complaining about how much she was doing and how little Mary was doing, she began to tell Jesus what to do. Tell her to help me. Remember, she said to him, tell her to help me. I'm doing everything. Tell Mary she's sitting at your feet, like get tell her to get up, get in gear and roll up her sleeves and carry some of this burden. And Jesus was like, no, no, no. Martha, you have it all wrong. Mary has chosen the good part. She's chosen the thing that matters most. There's only one thing that's really necessary, he told her, and that's not going to be taken away from her. Boy, you know, when you are just sitting at the feet of Jesus and you say, how do you sit at the feet of Jesus? Well, at Jesus feet. We worship him. We're at Jesus feet. When we're here in church together, we're at Jesus feet. When we're lifting our hands to thank him, we're at Jesus feet. When we're learning the word of God and listening for his voice and listening to the voice of the good shepherd through the shepherd, like God wants you to hear his voice through mine and so that you hear from him, you're hearing from him. What is he saying through what I'm saying? What is he saying in the midst of what I'm saying? That's sitting at the feet of Jesus. When you're just listening to a preacher preach, oh, that's exciting, that's entertaining, that's funny or that's, you know, touching. You're you're not sitting really at the feet of Jesus, you're just sitting at the feet of a preacher. But when you are listening for the voice, within the voice, you're listening for the voice that is calming the sea in your soul, the voice that is giving you peace, the voice that is encouraging you and reminding you of how much he loves you. That's what I'm talking about is the revival. This is what's going to bring you the breath that you need, the rest that you need, the refreshing that you need. Remember what revival is that we're talking about. It's causing someone to recover from uh, to recover a state of cheer and joy to recover from anxiety and trouble and to find and catch your breath, your next breath. It brings you joy. It brings you cheer. It brings you encouragement. This is what is happening right now. God is bringing his breath to you. Remember, it says in John chapter 20 that Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them and said, receive. God wants you to receive. He simply wants you to receive. Remember that one miracle that he did where he the man was blind and Jesus spit into the dirt and rubbed his spit into the dirt and then put it on that guy's eyes. In other words, I believe we need to only receive what's coming out of Jesus mouth. We need to receive and we need to see what Jesus is putting on our eyes. We need to receive what he's It's like. If you were in the front row of church here, you might end up getting spit on by me accidentally. But that's not going to heal you. But Jesus spit, that's that's the stuff that brings healing. That's the stuff that opens our eyes. That's the stuff that brings us refreshing. That's the stuff that brings us back to this closeness and this intimacy with God. David said, wow, this one thing I seek that I might sit in your temple and meditate on your beauty all day long. And David actually said what sitting at the feet of Jesus is all about. It's seeing his beauty, meditating on his beauty and his beautiful love that he has for you and for me. And you know what ends up happening is we want to spend time with him. He's the God of all grace. He's the God of all mercy. At his throne is mercy and grace to help us in our time of need. Who wouldn't want to spend time with him? Come to him boldly to receive mercy. Come to him now boldly to receive grace. Do you need mercy? Do you need a crop failure? of something bad, some bad seeds in your life that are getting ready to produce a bad harvest. Let's ask God for his mercy. Do you need strength today? Do you need an answer that you don't know where it's going to come from? Come to the throne of his grace and receive mercy and find grace to help in your time of need. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense, God's riches at Christ's expense come boldly. Let's do that right now. Let's take a moment just right where you are and let's come to his throne boldly. This is how I do it. You can do it just like this or better, but you have the same access to the throne of grace that I have by the blood of Jesus. He said, therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of his grace. So this is what I do. Just pray this right now. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come boldly to the throne of your grace. I come by the blood of Jesus. I have the right to come boldly to you. Just say that out loud. I have the right to come boldly to you by the blood of Jesus. So I come now and I ask you for mercy. Some people have sown bad seed in my life. Say this out loud. Some people have sown bad seed in my life. I ask for a crop failure. I've sown bad seed in my life. I ask for a crop failure. That's mercy. And now, Father, come on, let's keep talking to him. And now, Father, I need your grace. I come to the throne of your grace to receive grace, to help me in my time of need. I need your ability. I need your strength. Come on, say that. Pray that I need your ability. I need your strength. I receive your grace freely, your abundance of grace in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just take in and breathe a sigh of relief. You've just been revived. You're beginning to experience the breath of God, the recovery of your breath, the refreshing of God, the revival. You see, it all comes from this intimacy with God. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down from that tree, for I must spend time with your house. I must come to your house. And Zacchaeus came and they went. And what a beautiful thought that Jesus noticed Zacchaeus. He called him by name. He desired Zacchaeus. He said, I must come to your house. I'm coming over. I got to come. This is intimacy. Jesus is saying, "I, I I'm coming over. I want to come not he has to come. He wants to come. It's Revelation three tells us in verse 20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone will open the door and I will come into him and dine with him, he's not coming in to list your sins, he's not coming in to point out your mistakes. He's not coming in to chastise you or to rebuke you. He's coming in to dine with you. It's having supper. It's having a meal with Jesus. This is intimacy. And this is the revival that is in motion right now. We had a young man last week who told me he was sitting in the second row. And as just before worship started, he said, I went to the youth camp. He's an 18 year old kid. He said, I went to the youth camp and I discovered the love of God for the first time in my life. It's changed everything. I discovered the love of God, the love, the love. It's a revival of love. Our repentance is repenting from a rule based relationship to a love based relationship. That's what we're repenting from. We're repenting from a loveless relationship and we're turning from a relationship with God that is based on old covenant rules. And we're turning to a new covenant relationship with God based on love, based on closeness, based on there's no separation between you and God. Jesus removed everything that was in the way between you and the father. He removed it. This is the revival of love that creates intimacy with God. There are many watching connecting right now, and you're like, I don't know how to spend time with God. And it's so easy. You're spending time with God. He's with you right now. It's a matter of acknowledging that he's with you. It's not about doing something to get him to come. He's already here. He's already with you. He's already in you. If you're born again, if you have accepted Jesus to as many as received him he gave them the right to become sons and daughters of God you are now a daughter of God you are now a son of God and there's nothing you have to do to earn it it's acknowledging his presence that's what that's when you begin to experience refreshing it's acknowledging his love it's recognizing that he's with you You know, he can be with you without you even recognizing him. Just like the two that were on the road to Emmaus, the two disciples, Jesus walked, starts walking with them. After his resurrection, he starts walking with them and they didn't even recognize him. And as they were talking, he was talking and their hearts were burning and they didn't understand why. And then they sat at the table and Jesus broke the bread. They invited him to come to come in, come stay with us. And he broke the bread. And the Bible says it was there in that moment. They recognized him. See, he was there, but they didn't recognize him. He's with you right now. Just recognize that his presence is with you. Just accept it. Just embrace it. Just say, Lord, I thank you that whether I feel you, whether I see you, whether I hear you, I recognize that you are right here with me. You're in you're with me in the Valley. You're with me on the top of the mountain. I give you glory because you got me there. You're with me in the bottom of the valley and I give you glory because you're with me there. I give you glory on top of the mountain because you got me to there. You got me there to the top. And I give you glory at the bottom of the valley because you're with me there in the bottom. Wow, this is the revival that I'm talking about. This is what's going to sweep the earth. This is what's going to cover the earth with the glory of God. If we just can embrace and accept this difficult reality that God loves us so much that he is always with us. It's a difficult thing to accept because there's something in us that always wants to earn it. There's something in us that seems to always want to prove or deserve or earn in some way. And Jesus earned it for us. So we have to swallow our pride and we have to realize that we're in God's presence because of his blood and his grace and right where you are in your car, right where you are in your living room, right where you are, whatever, wherever you are in this moment, and any moment, he's with you. And the acknowledgment of his presence is what makes you happy. In his presence is fullness of joy, and we're always in his presence. So when we're not sensing the joy, it must be because we're not aware of his presence, not because we've done something to lose his presence. It's that we've taken the focus off of our awareness of God's presence. This revival of intimacy brings us into a feeling that I think everybody longs for. It's a feeling of belonging. One of the first signs of revival in Acts, Chapter two, is that they had a revival of belonging after Peter preached his message in Chapter two. It says that they accepted his word, they were baptized and they were added to the church that day. It tells us that God's plan for his people is that we belong to Christ and we belong to one another. It shows us that being a member of the family of God is vitally important. It's so healthy for us to be committed and involved in the body of Christ. We are more alive when we're connected to his family. You know, Jesus prayed this amazing prayer in John, Chapter 17, because I believe this revival of intimacy with God creates a a sense of belonging with each other belonging to our church family. And it creates this this power and unity, unity where there's unity, there's power where two or three are gathered in my name. If two of you shall agree about anything, they ask. This is a powerful dynamic, the unity that we carry. And I believe in diversity with unity, that different we can have differences without divisions, that we can have unity with diversity. And I believe Jesus prayed this prayer. And he says in John, Chapter 17, verse 20, he was praying for us, too. He said, my prayer is not for them alone, not just for these disciples that are with me, but I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. That's us. That's you. That's me. And then what is his prayer that all of them may be one father? All of them may be one, just as you and I are one, just as you are in me and I'm in you. Jesus said, may they also be in us that the world may believe that you've sent me. So not only is not only does the love when we when we are loving one another, that sends the message to the world that we're his disciples. But Jesus also said here, when we're one with each other, when we belong to each other, when we maintain and protect the unity of our connection, the unity of our vision to introduce people to the real Jesus, the unity and the connection to our spiritual family. When we maintain that, when we protect that, when we fight for that, when we are willing to stop all of hell in order to protect the unity of one another and the unity with us together, connecting and connected to him through the, through his body. Wow. Jesus says that the world will believe I in them and you in me that we would be brought complete in unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Jesus is telling us to preserve unity He's praying for us to preserve unity. He's praying for us to find this oneness with each other and with him. And he says that the world may know that you sent me and that you have loved them, which is us, even as you have loved me, all disharmony, all disunity, all division, all hate, all racism, all tribalism, all all the separation of each other is all rooted in insecurity from not believing the love that God has for you. The only reason why people get divisive and negative towards others is because they feel inferior in their own in their own self, and therefore they project upon somebody else. Either they try to become superior or they or they try to make somebody else feel inferior. But when we know that he loves us the way that he loved Jesus, he said that you've loved them. Jesus prayed, Father, let the world know that you've loved them, even as you've loved me. When we realize that he loves us as much as the father loves us as much as he loves Jesus, it brings a calm, it brings a peace, it brings a security, it brings a sense of confidence and not a cockiness, not a confidence where I'm better than anybody else, but a confidence that I can love freely and that I can accept you just as you are. You can accept me just as I am. And we can help each other to grow and to represent to this world the God who is love. That God is love and that when this world understands that and truly gets that, when the church truly understands, when the church has a revival of God's love for them, it will change everything. It will give us a sense of belonging. It will deliver us from rejection. It will give us a sense of unity. It will deliver us from divisiveness. It will give us a sense of peace and calm. I pray for that for you right now in the name of Jesus, that every one of us would sense the unity with God, the unity with the father and the unity with one another. Because we are the body of Christ. And how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity for there the Lord commands the blessing. I prophesy blessing. I prophesy the commanded blessing, commanded peace, joy, supernatural confidence, belonging, freedom from insecurity, freedom from inferiority. I prophesy acceptance over you. I prophesy approval over you. I prophesy deliverance and freedom and peace over you. In Jesus name, I prophesy revival, new breath, new strength, new energy, new ability to go above and beyond wherever you've been before in life. You're going to another level, a greater level of maturity, a greater level of health, spirit, soul and body in Jesus name. Now, if you haven't received Jesus Christ into your life as your savior and Lord, pray this out loud after me. Everybody pray this heavenly father, just pray this out loud. Heavenly Father, I invite Jesus Christ into my life as my savior. I believe Jesus died for my sins. Say that out loud. I believe Jesus died for my sins and rose from the dead. Amen. That's all it takes to be a believer, to be born again and to become a child of God just receiving him. If you did pray that prayer for the first time, would you get a copy of this book absolutely free. You can download it anywhere lifechangerschurch.com/salvation. It's my gift to you. It's the next steps in this journey with God and it's anybody can get this. So grab this, the online version of this and download it anywhere wherever you are in the world. And thanks for joining me and thanks for connecting with me. As a part of this church family, locally and globally, as Life Changers International Church, God bless you, God love you, and everything is gonna be all right. I'll see you at our next service.